If you would, as we continue in our series in Mark, if you would turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. A very familiar passage to all of you, I am sure. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Please give attention to the holy word of God. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we would ask that this text and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his identity would be impressed, planted in our hearts and in our lives. Minister to us through the authority and power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey? I do assume that there isn't one person here this morning that does not have some type of fear in their life. Maybe it is storms. Statistics vary about human fears depending upon the survey. At the top of the list may be death, a terminal disease. And interestingly... (laughs) Public speaking. (laughs) 
Well, if you have not noticed after I have been with you for a couple of years, I confess to you that the near the top of my list is public reading. I am a very poor reader with, very, with a very poor background in phonics, which makes it very uncomfortable for me to read in public. Well, I think we can easily place ourselves as participants in the text this morning. I think we can all confess that being in a small boat at sea when a violent storm arises with strong winds would be a scary event. Perhaps you are familiar with the conditions about the Sea of Galilee. The sea is surrounded with high mountains as it sits there like in a basin in their midst. At times, strong, gusty, fierce winds from the southwest enter from the south to create sudden violent storms in which waves can easily come over the sides of a smaller boat. Just as verse 37 in our text describes. In such a frightening and scary moment for the apostles, it must have been amazing to note that Jesus, <laughs> that Jesus had no problem sleeping <laughs> at the stern upon a cushion. Verse 38. <laughs> Indeed, Jesus is sleeping. The only incident in any of the four Gospels that we are told that Jesus was engaged in actual sleep. How can Jesus sleep at a moment like this? Wouldn't the violent conditions of the sea wake him up? How can he be so sound asleep as Panic breaks out among the apostles on the boat. As you allow these questions to register upon your heart about our Lord's posture in this text, please be very careful and cautious to allow your mind not to run to the typical prominent focus of this text in evangelical circles. The tendency is to treat this event like a parable. We change the event into a metaphor, into a simile. We change concrete historical event of God's revelation to us into a figurative allegory. You know the interpretation. Maybe you have studied this text in a Bible study. And exactly this type of interpretation is presented. The sea represents the world. The boat. The direction we are taking in life. And then the various storms arise at various times to test our faith in Jesus 
as these storms arise in your life's path, will you allow Jesus to conquer and calm your storms? Congregation, please stay with me this morning. The text before us is not a parable. It is not a metaphor, a simile, or allegory. It is an event occurring in actual time and space in history. We must grasp its significance in the historical process of Mark's narrative in order to understand Jesus' identity and his kingdom for each one of us. We must not strip the text of its historical significance in order to make the text allegorically personal to me. Rather, the personal for each of us is found in the historical revelation of Christ in the event. So as we focus on our text, we want to first understand the transition from Jesus' preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God in parables to our text about Jesus calming the storm at sea. Second, this morning, we want to reconnect with some of the themes that Mark has established in his gospel narrative thus far to enrich our text. And thirdly, we want to grasp the gospel message centered in Jesus and our text for each of us to live a fruitful life of faith of faith in Christ. So returning to the first point, we need to understand the transition from Jesus' preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God in parables to our text about Jesus calming the storm at sea. In the form of parabolic story, Jesus has preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. He has preached about what the essence of the kingdom of God is. It is about the mystery. The mystery of the kingdom now being revealed in Jesus. In Jesus' coming and his word and thus he and his kingdom have eternal significance. Now I've printed out this next sentence in full before you in your outline, which I think is crucial to grasp where we are at this point in terms of Mark's narrative. It is a supernatural kingdom that has no rival. No rival as it unites the spiritual and the natural to take on an eternal heavenly identification that produces the abundance of the fruits of the Spirit in those who truly listen in repentance and faith to the person and words 
of our Savior. As the sower of his word, Jesus reveals the secret of his kingdom. That is the interpretation of his parables to whom he chooses, to the twelve and some around him. Verse 10 of this chapter 4. But he does not reveal it to the crowd. As the Son of God, Jesus Christ condescends as the supernatural spiritual being to invade the natural world. However, there is more that we need to understand about Jesus' person in connection with the natural world. Thus, immediately, Jesus takes us smack into, smack into the realm, the natural realm of history, right after the imagery of the kingdom parabolic stories, which blended the spiritual and the natural. In keeping with the secret of the kingdom being revealed only to his apostles, to his disciples, note that he leaves the crowd behind and goes only with his disciples in the boat. Verse 36. The text does note that other boats were with him there in verse 36. But the people in those boats were not in his boat. Most likely, they are those who were with the twelve that Jesus gave explanation of the parable of the sower that we noted back in verse 10 of this chapter. Second, We want to reconnect with some of the themes that Mark has established in his gospel narrative thus far to enrich our text that is before us this morning. We do not want to lose sight of the fact that the good news of the gospel of God in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has actually now arrived in history. The good news arrives with the unique, supreme authority of Jesus over all things. Over the Jewish scribes and their laws, as well as over Satan and his demonic spirits. Also, we noted that his supreme authority has brought a reaction of hostility hostility on the part of all those who will not relinquish to his own authority or submit themselves to the Christ of Scripture. In that context, Christ, the supreme evangelist, preaches the good news The word of the gospel of the kingdom of God to his apostles and the crowd. Amid this hostility, Jesus discloses the interpretation of the gospel parables 
to his disciples and to a few others. They are fed with the light, the light of the gospel. Although it is obvious, and here is the key point now in transition into this event, that the apostles have an immature faith. They are having trouble understanding the true identity of Jesus and the impact of his coming into the creation. Let me ask you. How about you? How about you? How much have you wrestled with Mark in this series? With Mark's infallible narrative for your understanding of the identity of Jesus and his impact upon your life. Your life in the life of the church. Are you willing to participate in the Spirit's authorship upon Mark for the edification of your own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to place your faith under Jesus' microscope in order to analyze your faith with respect to the next element, the next element of hostility that Mark places vividly before your eyes and ears. Are you willing to see and hear? Are you willing? Do you know the word by now in terms of Jesus' comments? Are you willing to listen? Listen to the text, to the narrative. So, <laughs> thirdly, we want to grasp the gospel message centered in Jesus and in our text for each of us to live a fruitful life of faith in Christ. As we have noted before, the sea in Mark's gospel corresponds with his wilderness theme. It marks a position of departure. In this case, he moves from the crowd on the western Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee to move to the eastern Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. The evangelist, Jesus is taking the gospel, the good news from prominently, the prominently Jewish side of the sea to the Gentile side of the sea. How would Jesus and his kingdom be received on the eastern side? How would Jesus 
and his kingdom be received by repentance and faith. Meanwhile, an important trial in the life of his chosen apostles to the church will occur on this boat at sea. The scene from preaching the word of the gospel kingdom has definitely changed from preaching to an historical event. Scholars have pointed out that the verb tenses in verses 35 through 41 strongly portray that the circumstances surrounding this event occur in history. We have moved out of the parables. The verbs will also focus upon the importance of the discussion that occurs between Jesus and the disciples, as well as the decisive action which Jesus took on this occasion. We are positioned definitely in a historical, dramatic event in the lives of the disciples. An event that is under the control of Jesus himself. Please notice the phrase in verse 35 that depicts that Jesus is in control. He said to them, let us go across to the other side. The phrase he said to them appears repeatedly in the fourth chapter as he presents his kingdom parabolic stories. Well, since he is in complete control of the situation, it should not surprise us that he is presently, since he is such control, he is presently asleep. is presently asleep. But how much control does Jesus have in the creation? How are you answering that question? How much control does Jesus have in the creation? The apostles have witnessed that he has superior authority over the teaching of the scribes. He has authority to heal physical ailments. He has authority over demons. But how about the forces of nature? Does he have power over the laws of nature, the torrid, hostile forces of nature? We have just been presented with the blending of the spiritual and the natural in parabolic story with respect to the preaching of the gospel. But what about nature itself? Nature itself is the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath and the supreme preacher of the word also in control of nature 
itself? Are you seeing the beautiful crafted narrative of Mark in submission to the providence of God being presented to you. After all, as the text points out, the crossing of the sea is on the very same day that he preached the parables. Verse 35. The same day. In the life of Jesus, just as it will be in the life of the church, hostility will arise from everywhere. Everywhere. In this case, hostility arises as the gospel moves to the eastern Gentile side of the sea. You know the story. We have read it this morning. A violent storm arises. The disciples are full of anxiety. They are fearful of perishing unto death. Verse 38. In panic they wake Jesus with the title, now watch this, teacher. The Greek word here is not even rabbi. (laughs) The Greek word here is the word for a schoolmaster. The disciples have not even figured out how he is king of the kingdom of his parabolic stories who has now invaded the creation. Well, Jesus is about to raise the ante. (laughs) Raise the ante. That is about what he's going to do. He's going to raise the ante for his own disciples that they have never seen anything like this before. If I can invoke going back to chapter 2, if I can invoke chapter 2, verse 12, to this situation, they have never seen what they're about to witness before. Make sure you comprehend the action of Jesus in verse 39. And let it be, let it be a spiritual song to bring peace to your own heart. Your own heart. Jesus rebukes the wind on the sea. He actually talks. He speaks to the sea. Peace. Be still. And what immediately happens? The wind ceased. And there was a great. 
What is extremely interesting in this event is that Jesus' action parallels his action upon the man with an unclean spirit back in chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Especially a connection can be made between this actually Jesus' speech here and chapter 1, verse 25. Jesus performs the same action. He rebukes the sea in the same manner that he rebuked the demon. Be silent. Be silent. In calming the sea, Jesus is essentially performing an exorcism of the sea. Think about that. In this case, the sea is presenting a hostile barrier to the furtherance of the gospel. The storm is presenting a threat to perish the gospel king Jesus and the life of the church, the apostles. But no worry. (laughs) No worry. Jesus is on board by sovereign design. Jesus controls even the sea. The cosmic, the cosmic dimension of Jesus' power and authority is on display as well as his word in kingdom is about to be unleashed. Peace. Be still. And you don't want to miss the word peace here because it doesn't appear with respect to the demon in chapter 1, verse 25. The silence and calmness of the sea is the result of the power of peace that Jesus, his word, and his kingdom possesses. Don't forget, Jesus spoke his word to the sea. And it became calm. In their trial of faith, the apostles do not have this type of faith in Jesus. Their identity for Jesus is still stuck, stuck on being a teacher, a schoolmaster. They have an inconsistent, immature at this stage commitment to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is a teacher, but more than that, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. 
over every single element of the universe. I always like to tell my colleagues in mathematics, don't ever forget the passage about Christ that all things hold together by the power of Christ. That's how you teach your children a Christian understanding of mathematics. Mathematics is not neutral. Two plus two equals four cannot exist unless Jesus Christ holds all things together. A mature faith in Jesus rests upon the true reliance of his authority against all the hostile powers of opposition. Remember, remember this in Mark's gospel as Jesus trains the disciples. He is living their life, the life of the church before them. Jesus is sleeping silently and peacefully as the storm is raging on the sea. Come, come into Jesus' peaceful and calm existence in your life. He's the sovereign. He's the one that controls all things. Jesus has a self-conscious knowledge of his own identity that all things were made by him, that he is in control of all things in the cosmos. Therefore, apostle, therefore, believer in Jesus Christ, believe, rest, Trust. Be assured that Jesus will preserve his gospel to the ends of the earth. Like his posture in sleeping, give your life to Christ and commit your life to the good news in faith and repentance. In Christ's peace, in Christ's calmness, rest assured that the gates of hell cannot prevail against those who are his. Jesus rebukes the sea like he rebukes the demons. The apostles are preserved. The church is preserved. Are you embracing in your life 
this incredible truth of the gospel? Are you? Do you know the peace of Christ in your heart? Will your heart rest, sleep in the arms of Christ in your daily trials, which brings anxiety to your soul? We all have them. We all have them. Are you really, I mean really confident and assured that even yes, (laughs) the wind and the sea obey him? So who is the Jesus we bow before this morning? How will you live this coming week before Jesus? Who, yes, the wind and the sea obey. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what a magnificent Savior we have. Let our finite minds and hearts be lifted up into the eternal majesty of His person in terms of His identity, and may we confess freely by the Spirit in our hearts that the wind and the sea obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us in our walk this week to see our lives under his majesty, his power, his authority, his love, his grace. In Christ's name, amen.